Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me, as usual, is my friend and co-host Matthew McLaughlin. Hello, Jeremy. So, uh, we also have uh, Lee Jones with us still. Oh, hello. You ha- This happened before. <laughs> You didn't even change clothes. No. It's been a week, and you're still wearing the same Batman shirt. You know, I just when you have your favorites, you have your favorites. <laughs> you just can't put them down. So Lee, Lee Jones is with us today. Um, we talked about the regulative principle of worship uh, last time, and today we're going to discuss congregational singing. So I'm, I'm sure Lee has lots of thoughts on that. Oh, I've got thoughts. Did you want to give any more biographical information on this episode, or you... Sure, in, in case anybody didn't listen to the last one, which I'm sure all of your listeners listen just Every all the way through. Every episode, yes. Yeah, no, not a minute left. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm the I'm the host of the uh, podcast Reformed Meditations, uh, formerly of Guys with Bibles, which recently folded, um, but all of our our archive is still live and everything on the same feed, so you can go back and listen to those old episodes. So those aren't going anywhere. But um, I'm a theology nerd. Uh, I work in long-term care, though. I'm not a pastor or anything. Um, I just really enjoy talking about Scripture and about solid doctrine. And um, especially in 2020, I came to a um, a greater appreciation of uh, the importance of corporate singing, uh, congregational singing in corporate worship. I wonder um, why that is. <laughs> can, can I give you a short anecdote? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm the sound guy at at uh, church at Logansville Church, and so as so many other churches uh, during the the beginning of the lockdown, uh, we were I was meeting with the pastor, and we were either re- we were first recording services and then live streaming uh, just a sermon. So it was just him and me live streaming, and we had actually in God's providence we had started streaming services in December of 2019. And so that was already set up and ready to go um, and was very helpful. Um, but as I sat for a couple months listening to just the sermon, uh, which was wonderful, uh, it was great that we could continue to do that, it really did feel incomplete. And what truly felt incomplete was uh, the singing, not only the people there, but singing together and, and having the music uh, aspect of, of worship and how all of that is normally crafted uh, to fit the message of the sermon, uh, to fit the text that we're looking at, uh, that piece missing really became apparent. Yeah. I think some people missed it, and some people thought, well, I can do without, sadly. <laughs> yeah, that so, is sad. Yeah. So... Anyways, uh, thanks for joining us thanks again. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, discussing with the regulative worship, and uh, looking forward to our discussion about uh, congregational singing. So, um, just I'll start off with a, a few things, okay? 
Uh, you've you've probably heard these uh, bad ideas about what <laughs> congregational singing is. Um, you you get you get a bulletin for the latest conference, and it lists the speaker of the conference and the worship leader, <laughs> right? Right. And the worship leader means, of course, the guy who's leading singing or entertaining for the day, right? Um, so um, people get this idea then that singing is worship, right? Um, that's I not mean, right, wrong. though, is it? <laughs> no, I, I right mean, that they have that idea, but it's a wrong it, idea. It, yeah, yes, yeah. people have that idea, and it is a wrong idea. <laughs> no, yes. the the whole our whole service is worship. That the entire I mean, that's why it's called a worship service. And right. some people have actually used that title just for the singing aspect of. Right. of a worship service. But the whole thing the whole thing is worship. Like we from said beginning from the first prayer or the first call to worship mm-hmm. till the final amen. Yep. That's that's worship. Yep. The whole thing is worship. Um and I and I think singing is a very beneficial aspect of what we do in corporate worship. Yes. Yep. So singing isn't it's one is part of an it. aspect of worship, a right. part of worship, but it's not the whole thing. Yep. As if you worship and then some boring guy gets up yeah. and preaches. Well, and I think that kind of that kind of goes against what some people, even some of the um, of alternate definitions of worship that are in the broader evangelical church. Uh, they don't. Some people don't have the idea that you could listen to a sermon and that be worship. But actually, a good sermon is going to stir your heart um, toward adoration of of our our sanctifying God. Um, what Christ has done for us, um, the glory of God's covenant with his people, um, the expectation of Christ's return, all these things. You could get all of that in a sermon, and you might not be saying a word. It's the it's the, the pastor saying it, and probably very few people saying amen <laughs> in, in, the, in the pews, but uh, that's worship. That's right. worship. And I think part of the problem is people associate good, positive feelings with worship, mm-hmm. and so if the sermon, the sermon's not going to give you the good positive feelings that music does most of the time, right. unless you're nerds like us, yeah. and we go, this is awesome, <laughs> why are we singing? <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I think that, that we associate feelings with worship, and when, when we get that feeling, that's when there's worship, and the sermons don't so much do that for Many people, for, a lot of for people. whatever reason. Yeah. And that kind of dovetails into the next idea that I think is bad when it comes to worship is that singing or music is preparation for worship. You know, mm-hmm. the, the whole idea that the point of, of singing, you know, we would pejoratively say that we're, you're trying to bring God down, mm-hmm. right? Or work up a feeling. Mm-hmm. But... Um, so that's that's not what singing is either. Right, right. And I it's I like what you're saying there about, you know, working up a feeling or bringing bringing heaven down because that is kind of the subject matter of a lot of contemporary worship songs, quote unquote worship right. songs that are coming out of the mega churches are, you know, inv- inviting the holy spirit or um or we'll actually say bringing heaven down or something like that. Well, 
God's omnipresent. The Holy Spirit dwells in his people at all times. We're we're doing something special when we gather to worship, but we don't have to invite the Holy Spirit right. into. The Holy Spirit is who drives us to worship in the first place. Right. Like he's the one that guides us to come on the Lord's day and gather. And, and not not only is God omnipresent, but he's promised to be with us in a special way when we gather in Christ's name. Right. Right. Yes, it's appropriate to pray, Lord, come be with us. And right. in a sense, it might be okay to sing that, mm-hmm. singing it as a prayer, Lord, come be with us, mm-hmm. because we don't want to presume upon God. Right. But it's not... It's God doesn't come to us because of a work we do. God comes to us because he's gracious and good, has promised to be with us. Right. So yeah. this, there's no need to have this quote-unquote, preparation Mm -hmm. for worship. God will meet us there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and give us gifts. He's promised to, and he doesn't break his promises. Right. And he's he's going to um, bless us Mm -hmm. in every element of worship. Mm -hmm. He'll bless us in the prayer, in the the praise. He's going to bless us in the the, uh, preaching of the word. He's going to bless us in in the sacraments. He's going to bless us with the the... and that's why we talk about what the, do we do at benediction? The benediction yeah. at the end. That's yeah. why we talk about the ordinary means of grace, uh, which is a term that we throw around in in ref, ref, reformed circles uh, quite a bit. Uh, it, grace is being applied to us you know, when we uh, partake in these things. You know, we have the benefit. There's benefit to us when we partake in these ordinary means of grace that God has appointed for us to to walk in. Right. So, so we don't sing. Pre- prepare for worship. So why do we sing? What? What's obviously it's commanded, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, is, is it any more than that? Why do we sing? God's God's people have always sung, and uh, and they've sung for different reasons. You know, you can look through the entire Book of Psalms, and there are psalms for so many occasions, so many um, heart attitudes. Um, there's songs of lament. There's psalms of praise. Uh, so. Singing has a way of instructing us in a particular way, and I don't know who who quote like whose quote it is, but I heard it um, said by Scott Annual uh, that we we believe what we sing, and that's why it's important to have songs that accord with sound doctrine that are rooted in the truths of Scripture, because when we sing, um, and it's it's just a human thing, music matters to us. And when you can put truth to a tune and a tempo that really just kind of locks in your brain, those words will come with it. Um, I've actually seen that that work in um, in the nursing home environment, where there are folks that are in the late, late, late stages of dementia who really can't do anything for themselves at all. But if somebody comes in and sings an old hymn, maybe something from the Trinity Hymnal, for instance, uh, that person will sing. Or at least mouth the words if they don't have the strength to lift their voice. But um, even in the depths of dementia, that the truth that comes through those songs is in the back of their mind and can be pulled out even even to the to the end of that person's natural life. Right. So music, and I I think especially um, good hymns, good songs that accord with sound doctrine are so key to the Christian life and to corporate worship. Right. So. I guess the way we can do this, 
I've listened to some things that I think are important uh, in consideration of mm-hmm. congregational singing, um, and we we can all just discuss those ideas. So I think probably the chief thing you've already mentioned this several times is is that they got to be biblical. Got to be. Um, yeah. I wrote in my notes there is no excuse for singing biblically or theo- theologically inaccurate songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel mm-hmm. Beakey said something to the effect that it doesn't matter if it has a good tune if it's bad theology. Uh, so it might be nice to sing, but if it's bad theologically, pitch it. And sometimes and, the songs with weird tunes stick in your head as well as the ones with really good and catchy tunes, yeah. too. So, I mean, and, and here's the thing, okay? A lot of a lot of people, traditional Christians that sing hymns only, um, tend to think basically if it's in the hymn book, it's okay, and that all those contemporary songs are bad. Uh, but the truth is, there's some bad ones in the hymn book, too. Oh, oh for sure. For sure. Uh, we won't list any. And there's some really good contemporary songs, too. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and that'll dovetail into style, but uh, we there is no reason... Mm-hmm. To be singing bad theology, right. right? Because there there are good songs, whether contemporary or mm-hmm. traditional hymns, mm-hmm. that we can be singing. We don't need to sing, mm-hmm. um, yeah, bad contemporary songs or bad or bad hymns, uh, bad hymns. Either way, and there are yeah. some, <laughs> yeah. And and the, and you know the exclusive psalmody crowd would would chime in and say, well, there's no bad psalms, so we might as well sing those. And I don't I don't disagree with that, but again, combing through and finding the good hymns is worth the effort. Um, and I like, this is maybe a little bit tangential, but uh, Isaac Watts put together uh, a psalter, uh, a Christological psalter, where he took the words, he not only made it fit rhyme and meter, but then also included in the psalms that are obviously Christological, references to Christ. That's amazing, too. Now, I don't think the exclusive psalmody crowd would be so into that. No, but don't a, like Isaac Watts. Yeah. He, was, he was an innovator. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, an innovator. Yeah. But um, yeah, but the, the point is to have good, solid theology in these songs that we're being and this, taught and, and, uh, and encouraged and exhorted by. And especially in America, in yep. the English-speaking world, there's really, there's no reason to be singing. Yeah theologically yeah. poor hymns. Yeah. The other consideration, and this is usually where all the fighting is about, mm-hmm. is the style of mm-hmm. music. The worship wars. Yes. <laughs> um, for me, I, I, what, I say, uh, what I've always said is reverence is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the idea that the worship service has to be reverent is probably going to rule out some styles of music. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, um, <clears throat> and reverence also, I think, has to do with some of the uh, the lyrical choices as well. Because I hear, I've heard in some uh, evangelical churches, even ones that I've attended in the past, uh, worship songs that reference me more than they reference God. Yeah, and and it makes me think. I think that song is more akin to uh, like a like a devotional song, something you listen to during the week, that's not extolling praise of God to talk right. about me. And that that's actually another point that I have on here, that it need, they need to be God-centered. Mm, right. They need to be focused on who God mm-hmm. is, His works, mm-hmm. and not about our own mm-hmm. piety. Um, and 
I know contemporary songs do that, but some mm-hmm. of the revival hymns mm-hmm. from the 1850s and on oh, are yeah. really all about your yep. own piety. Yep. <laughs> yes. You for know sure. those songs, don't you, Matthew? Yes, yes, I do. You're, yeah. Your fundamentalist Baptist friends sing all them all the time. <laughs> all, all the time. <laughs> yes. Another aspect of style, too, has to do with singability. And that, You're hitting so, on all the ones I have. Oh, no. Go ahead. No, no, okay. no. It's, uh, a, a big pet peeve of mine that I've really come to in the last few years is when worship is done at a church and all the songs are done in very strange keys or they pick songs that uh, that are written with weird melodies that are hard for a group to sing, but are easy for a soloist to yes. sing. Amen. Um, the <laughs> the church that I attended previous to Logansville um, had some issues with this, uh, where it was almost the congregation just needed to sit back and listen to worship to the to the musical worship being to done. To the professionals. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, which took me way back to. Um, like the Roman Catholic worship of there's the screen, exactly. you're watching the priest worship. Um, no, we are supposed to be worshiping when we gather. Right. That's why it's called congregational singing. <laughs> <Right>. It's not. Con- <laughs> and and yeah. there's nothing. And I, what I've told people look, there's nothing wrong with concerts. I like concerts. Right. I like go, concerts too. Go to a concert, but a concert doesn't replace Christian worship. Yeah. It, yeah. We, and that involves everybody. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. songs have to be. The songs have to be chosen, and the songs have to be sung mm-hmm. that are able to be sung by yeah. everybody. They need to be in a in a, a relatively neutral key that men and women can both sing. Um, they need to be done at an appropriate speed. They, these can't be this this can't be a speed metal song or something like that. Well, that goes back to the style. <laughs> yeah, as much as I love speed metal, right? Um, you know, again, I a topic for another that's podcast. Really reverent? <laughs> no. No, it's not. But so, but you're right. You have to have you have to have a congregational approach in mind when you're orchestrating the musical aspect of a worship service. Right. You you have to involve everybody. And I think a lot of times this happens accidental. I've been to churches that do more contemporary worship and they design it to look like a concert and mm-hmm. people respond to it like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I think the people on the stage want the people to sing. Right. But it there's something I don't know if it's the ambiance of the room. I don't know if it's the songs they're singing. I don't know what it is, but th- they encourage people to sing, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Well, the ambiance does play a part. You know, the churches that use those deep blue lights, or I know we talk about the fog machines, but there really are churches that use the fog yeah. machines, which is what's done at a at a regular concert. Right. So, um, it would be. Even if even if it was intended for corporate worship, that is a misleading aspect of musical worship that doesn't benefit the congregation. Right. It encourages them to sit back and observe yeah. rather than partake. Go to partake. a concert through the week, mm-hmm. have fun, sing all the songs, right. and on Sunday, we're all going to sing together. And it yeah. may be ugly because I might be there. And <laughs> but Matthew will drown me out, right? But, bringing up drowning out one other aspect when it comes to singability that gets on my pet peeve meter <laughs> if every if the instrumentation is so loud no one can hear each other no one's going to sing right and i don't care if you're talking drums electric guitars or pipe organs <laughs> right pipe organs can be just as bad as electric guitars and drums even so and sometimes choirs too yes the whole idea is 
congregational singing. Okay, this is going to be revolutionary. I know. Okay, <laughs> this is officially. These are officially our sarcastic podcasts. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is revolutionary. But when we say congregational singing, I know that it's hard to believe. That means congregation sings. Mm-hmm. I mean, so therefore we should be able to hear each other. I I think it's Mark Dever, but I'm not 100 percent sure. The whole idea is you should be able to hear the people next to you sing, so you can sing parts. If you know if you know how to sing uh. parts, do sing parts. If the music's so loud that all you can hear is the melody line, you're not nobody's singing parts. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Well, even if you don't mm-hmm. sing parts, even if you, you don't need sing, to hear right. the person. Yes, there, our church we we have family integrated worship, so yes. everybody's up here. And yes. there's nothing so sweet as hearing the kids behind you singing the songs yeah. along with everyone else. Yeah. So, and and I've been up front before when people are singing, and so you can hear it even mm-hmm. better up there. It is so encouraging mm-hmm. to hear other people sing. And Matthew is exactly right. If if the band is so loud that you can't hear each other, that that's that's not good. Yeah, that's no. not good. And the passage I read at the beginning said we're supposed to singing is yes it needs to be God centered, but singing is also going to work on a um, horizontal level. Horizontal, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, it's horizontal yeah. level. I always mess among that up. the people. Right. Yeah, on a horizontal level, it's it's going to be encouraging as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, I I think I think you're right, and th- and that unfortunately that. Isn't usually the consideration, mm-hmm. and you know these new newer churches that are playing the loud music, the older people get upset by it, and they just think they're a bunch of old fuddy duddies. But yeah. the reality is, we need to hear each other sing. So, if you have guitars and drums, turn it down a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, and <laughs> and what you, I totally agree with what you're saying, Matthew, about that because I think a key text on this is Ephesians five nineteen, and in the ESV it says. It starts with addressing each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Well, we can't address each other in those songs if we can't even hear each other sing. You know, we ha- that's a there's a communal, a fellowship aspect in singing that you do miss if your music is so loud or your your lead singer is so loud that you can't hear your neighbor. Right. Amen. Yeah. So we didn't talk much about styles or anything else. Anybody wants to say about that? Uh, I like music in general, you know, and I like hymns a lot. Um, something I like about the style of a hymn that, um, that I, in my mind, makes it more proper to uh, corporate worship, and I'm not putting this on anybody, especially the contemporary worship crowd, but that, especially with the older hymns, the, the common meter, I'm sure you've heard that term before, um, even if you don't know the hymn, after the first verse, you know the hymn, you know, <laughs> because they're all kind of written with the same essential skeleton. Uh, and so once you know the tune, you, you've got it all down, and you get that in the first verse. I think hymns are lend themselves more to comfortable corporate singing than contemporary songs, which could have divergent tempos, divergent uh, melodies, um, bridges here and there, or or uh, different melodic parts. Um Hymns are constructed for for people to sing them. Right. Yeah. One other thing, when I guess we need a style, is make sure that the lyrics match the music. <laughs> <laughs> I know this sounds revolutionary, but it's so. You, in other words, what I mean is this: you can get words that are upbeat that you sing down, or you slow it down, or 
honestly what happens more often is you get these sad words and well we can't have a sad song in church so let's speed it up and sing it in cut time mm. and sing it fast and so we're, we're singing about something somber and serious and we sound like clowns trying to celebrate at the circus <laughs> and it just doesn't work in this yeah it not only doesn't does it not work but we just recorded an episode on psalms that hasn't mm. come out yet but the psalms have songs of praise and mm-hmm. psalms of lament right yeah. and um i didn't i don't have this in my notes but i think one failure of christian hymnody and i think it's starting to be addressed is dealing with these songs of lament mm-hmm. yes there's a feeling that you know you have to always be happy and smiling like Joel Osteen with mm-hmm. his big bright teeth, <laughs> and if you don't do that, then there's something wrong with you spiritually, right. and and to even admit that you're having struggles is really bad. But we ought to be singing songs like in the Psalms where there's song. I mean, yes, sing some of the songs of lament, mm-hmm. but we ought we ought to have good hymns, right, that are yeah. encouraging us to lament right. in our afflictions and our trials, and encourage us to look to yeah. God. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's, this is tangential, but it still fits. And one of the reasons why it's so important for what you were just talking about, Jeremy, is because when I walk through trials, if we're honest, music is what's going to come into my mind, and so. If I can know this hymn that reaches me where I'm at at that moment. So as yeah. an example, it's I, it's out there on the internet. So when Connie Devil reworked the words, he will hold me fast. And she, mm-hmm. going through cancer, singing that, that, that ministers to people's souls in a way that singing, okay, let's pick on it, singing... Leaning on the everlasting arms is important and good, but when I'm having a down day, my first thought is not I'm going to lean on the everlasting arms, mm-hmm. but it is going to be that he will hold me fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your first question is, are there everlasting arms that are going to hold <laughs> right. me up? In and this? so singing this music that ministers to the entire range of human emotion, that that's important because in con- even in congregational singing, everybody who walks in, some people had an okay week, some people had a good week, and some people mm-hmm. have had a horrible, absolutely crummy mm-hmm. week. And the purpose of singing and the purpose of the gospel is for the gospel meets them where they're at and brings them to Jesus. Yep. And so I think that's one of the things for us to think through as we think through congregational singing. Yeah. Now ends Rabbit Trail. No, that wasn't a rabbit trail. Okay, that wasn't a rabbit trail. Good to know. <laughs> no, I highly was... recommend the hymn, Dear Refuge of My, my Weary Soul, is a really good uh, hymn, especially for what you're talking about, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've even gotten, even in hard times, gotten great encouragement from um, Before the Throne of God Above as oh, well, yes. especially when I've uh, you know been, been faced with my own sins and feeling uh, self-condemned over them. Yeah. Um, good reminder of... God's mercy and grace and His work for His for His I, children. I might be weird, but sad songs make me happy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I don't know why, <laughs> but they, sad songs make me happy. I understand. So makes sense. I mean, it checks out. Happy songs do too, but you know, I I I resonate more. Maybe, well, it's probably because I'm a Calvinist. You know, we're, <laughs> we're grumpy and somber and sad all the time, right? Yeah, yeah yes. <laughs> I don't think good. I've said we're that I'm a Calvinist so many times. This, it, this is Lee's influence. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> There's, 
Yeah, yeah. The, no, I'm not. I'm not the only one to blame. There's something in the air <laughs> when you're around. So we we just got a few minutes left. But uh, the other thing that I had written down is beauty. Now, mm. granted, we we said a lot of things about not being too complicated and mm-hmm. things like that. And sometimes this is going to conflict with some of those goals. But I I think <laughs> we need to sing songs that are both poetically and musically good. Mm-hmm. We don't have to sing crappy songs. Right. Um, and it it shouldn't just be because it, the tunes are popular, the mm-hmm. tunes are traditional. Uh, we need we need to sing good music. Um, and I don't listen to much Christian music because... Me neither. There's not much good. <laughs> there's not very <laughs> good Christian honest. art generally anymore. Yeah. I don't... There was a time when there was, but... Yeah. Not so much anymore. Uh, you know, um, I, I'm not a, I, I played guitar when I was younger, so I'm, I'm not really a musician. I'm not going to reform anything with this, but it is a concern of mine that, that, the church, in general, seems to be satisfied with a song as long as it says Jesus. Um, if it, Jesus is in it, then it's a great song. And we look no mm-hmm. further than that. Um, there's talking about this issue with art. Um, there's a reason why even unbelievers read Les Miserables and watch mm-hmm. Les Miserables um, because it it touches the it touches the human condition, even though it's a Christian message. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm, I know that's a, a play or a movie or a book, but, you know, you're not going, probably not going to find your unbelieving friend singing something that's on K-Love. <laughs> no. <laughs> because it's it's trite and... And sappy. Yeah. And yeah. sorry if you like that music or those songs, but it, they really are. And again, it's another it's another distinction between corporate worship in in private devotion if those songs are if you like those songs um there are good reasons to not listen to those but if the style if you like the style that's okay but that doesn't mean that we can impose that on our brothers and sisters in corporate worship as well um uh but they're they're really i would just in, in whatever way i can without my without any great musical abilities or even artistic abilities to encourage good art because it it speaks to people in ways that my preaching to them may not necessarily it's not that art replaces preaching but you know it, it could be alongside it can complement it for but sure I, but i was thinking you know your unbelieving friend may not listen to Caleb mm-hmm. but they probably appreciate Handel's Messiah right right so why is it mm-hmm. that unbelievers will listen to Handel's Messiah but not Caleb? It, it's not. Caleb may even have some of the same themes mm-hmm. that's in Handel's Messiah, but there's there's a beauty there that's not in contemporary right. music. Yeah. Um, that I don't know what I can do about it. Um, can you do something about it, Matthew? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, I can't either. But I, I can bemoan it. Just be a yes. voices in the wilderness. <laughs> right. and, 
<laughs> somehow inspire artists to be good artists. Well, I'm, you got to uh, worry about the message. You of do, course, but yeah. I, we want to. But it needs to be wrapped in in a in an appropriate way as well. The message needs to come in a container that is um, that is uh, solid and um, wholesome, perhaps even attractive. You know, Handel's Messiah is a, an objectively beautiful piece of music, um, right. and especially when you know the context of that piece and what it's about, the themes behind it. Um, it's it, uh, just objectively a beautiful thing. Um, and it, yes, I think that is something that's missing in Christian music in general. Um, and you know, when I talk about music, sometimes it sounds a little bit like a festivist airing of grievances. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's it's not it's not a difficult task to do uh, corporate worship uh, and especially congregational singing uh, in a beautiful and um, and spiritually beneficial way. Um, and like we've already said, you choose the good songs, the songs that are that can be sung by a congregation that have solid lyrics that accord with sound doctrine, uh, that sound good, even if the entire congregation can't sing, even you know, even if there's a significant number of people who are uh, who have difficulty singing, that is not a monumental task. And I think it's a task that actually a, a great number of faithful churches do very well. Um, and I think it's it's beneficial to the congregation to do that well, and it certainly honors God to do that well. You know, excellence in corporate worship um, is something that's a key part of, of our life as redeemed people, and it will continue to be even in uh, glorification. You know, we are going to be singing for eternity. Maybe I'll sing better then. I guaranteed you will. We could only <laughs> I, hope. I have Lee Jones guaranteed I'm going to sing better. <laughs> we just, that's our hope and prayer. That's right. Before we wrap up, is there any final words, anything that you weren't able to say that you wanted to say about congregational singing specifically? I, I think it's, uh, the thing that I would say the most is that... Um, any care and attention given to congregational singing is well worth the time and effort. Um, I think it's an essential, uh, an essential part of a worship service because I subscribe to the regulative principle. Um, but it is I've, I've found it to be not only personally very beneficial and seen it borne out as beneficial in the church, um, but it, it, it honors God. And I think... Um, I would encourage anyone in the church, whether a pastor or a quote-unquote worship leader, uh, or even just the the congregants, the the members of the church who attend faithfully week by week, Lord's Day to Lord's Day, to really um, to think, listen, and sing, uh, sing with joy, whether you can actually carry the tune or not, um, and and participate in not only giving the praise and adoration to God uh, that we do when we sing, but also to be exhorted and encouraged by the words and by our time with our believers, uh, our fellow believers uh, who we attend with. Um, I, it's a it's a tremendous blessing. It is. Singing is vitally important to the health of a church. If you want more resources, I'll just put, my, put, that, put this out here. Keith and Christian Getty have a book called Sing that would help you think that through. Also, you, Matt Moker just came out with a book on corporate worship in the Nine Marks Building Healthy Churches series that would be worth, worth your reading. But our encouragement as we close is this. Sing. 
no matter whether you can carry the tune or not, sing. Allow your voice to minister to your soul and the souls of those around you as we corporately proclaim the truth of who God is and what God has done and seeks to do in our lives through the Word. But for now, we thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. And please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship. And like, subscribe, and rate us on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. But for now, we thank you again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.